Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert, and today, with the help of Dr. Millicent Ravello. How are you doing, Dr. Ravello? I'm doing excellent. How are you? I'm excellent. I am doing really well. I'm excited to talk about septoplasties. You do a lot of septoplasties. I do. I do I do septoplasty walking down the hall. <laughs> Just passing by people, they get a septoplasty. It's it's hard not to do one. So tell our listeners what is a septoplasty. So and and the word plasty, the 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 Latin yeah, origin. The Latin origin just means to mold or shape, right? So a plasty is an operation where you mold or shape something or change it. And so a septum is the piece of cartilage and mucosa uh, and I guess your vomer and, and your ethmoid plate too that are in between your nostril passages and your nose. And so the septum, people, oh, I have a deviated septum. Well, I got news for you. I think literally everyone on earth has some amount of of deviation to their septum, some amount. Yes, I, I certainly some, do. I've, yeah, you, you, <laughs> never mind. Like, I, I mean, I can't even get started on that one. Yes, you definitely need. You are in the category. I don't even know how you look at me. You're like, gosh, I just want to fix, fix that, that nose. <laughs> I, I, I just ignore it. I act like it's not there, and it's totally fine. And there's nothing to do here. Nothing to see. Leave it alone. <laughs> but whatever. But the septum, and I have seen some very straight septums. I mean, there are some that are amazing. They just go, you know, straight to the back, of, you know, to the ethmoid plates. But the septoplasty is basically when the septum, the piece of cartilage mucosa between the two nostril passages, is deviated to one side, one ma- passage or the other. It creates turbulent flow of air in the nose, which can be obstructive in nature. It can cause you to feel like you can't I'm not getting breathe. Enough air. Yeah, I, yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. Um, and it's particularly worse, patients will say, with exercise or in allergy season or at night. It can even contribute to snoring as the air goes sure. through this tight space. So it can cause very real medical problems. Right. So septoplasty is the operation by which you correct the deviation of the septum or improve the structure of the septum so that the breathing becomes easier. And a septoplasty can be done on its own just to correct breathing problems, or it can be part of a formal rhinoplasty, whether that's a closed rhinoplasty with the incisions on the inside or an open rhinoplasty with the incisions on the outside. It is part of a formal rhinoplasty or a standalone procedure on its own. Absolutely. And uh, the septoplasty that you know people think of traditionally is really where you go into the nose it's done closed you take out the deviated portion of the septum and put in some splints or packing i don't use packing that's medieval in my estimation <laughs> but some people still pack the nose um i put in doyle splints which are much more pleasant and take them out a week or two later depending on how much you do to the septum and the breathing should improve um right. it, it is uh you know, that's the traditional basic septoplasty. Um, but there are septoplasties where you trim part of it or, or you know, take away part of the, the cartilage up front or in the back. And there are, one, there are septoplasties where you literally rebuild the septum. Now, to be fair, with the exception of the ones where you actually rebuild the whole septum, the majority of the time you leave a part of the septum behind. You're not taking the whole thing out. You leave what's called an L strut. So a part of the septum on top and a part of the septum in the front to support the nose. You're not taking out the whole septum. 
No, if you took out the whole septum, you have a saddle nose. Your nose would collapse. So we don't, we don't do that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I guess my question to you is how frequently do you do or have you done a completely isolated septoplasty? Nothing else. You made a closed incision, took out a deviated septum, called it a day. Well, for me, that's pretty rare because I am not an otolaryngologist. I am a plastic surgeon who is skilled in the art of all the internal nasal otolaryngology procedures, such as turbinate surgery, uh, septoplasty, um, but I don't do sinus surgery. So people don't typically come to me for just a septoplasty. Because I'm a plastic surgeon, they're here. A lot of them are because their ear, nose, and throat doctor said, you need a septoplasty. And they say, well, I want to get my nose fixed too. And they say, well, I, I don't do that. Right. I don't so do that. So go the to somebody that does that also. Right. Part of so the So I do the combo procedure of the septorhinoplasty, as it's known, um, where you're doing the septum and the rhinoplasty together. And uh, you're correcting the breathing. You know, I, I tend to, I mean, I, in people that have cosmetic, like I did a cosmetic rhinoplasty yesterday where the patient had just a wicked deviated septum. I sound like I'm from Boston. It's, a it's wicked, like wicked. It's wicked deviated. Uh, I didn't drop enough R's actually for that to be like it's Boston, but that's okay. Um, but I fixed that septum because I knew that it was either, if it's not bothering you now, it's going to in the future. It's going to bother you in the future and it has repercussions to your aesthetic reconstruction because sure. it can cause it to scar or heal in an asymmetric fashion. Absolutely. And so you want to leave an L-strut. You know, I tend to leave 12 millimeters of an L-strut. The recommendation is 10. I like to go a little extra strength. Um, but if the septum's like, if it's like a crazy septum, then I'll rebuild the thing with the septal cartilage and really try to make a very straight L-strut as much as I possibly can so that the breathing does get better. Right. And that's, I mean, that's the whole thing. And so in your case, you know, you're seeing these patients, as you mentioned, for combo procedures. So how does that work from an insurance perspective? Someone comes to you with a deviated septums and importantly, as I think we've noticed before, with symptoms of a deviated septum. So you, you right. can't just come and say, oh, my septum is deviated, but I feel fine. Will insurance pay for this? No. So, in fact, I can tell you I did just do an insurance-only uh, isolated septoplasty. And the, the criteria, which were very specific, and I tell all the patients this. I said, look, if you want to get insurance to pay for your septoplasty, you have to make sure that you have meet their criteria, which are, it has to be moderately deviated or severely deviated. And those are judgment calls. Um, you know, a, a mildly deviated septum is not going to get paid for by insurance. They just aren't. They typically want a CT scan, a CAT scan, an X-ray. Uh, they typically want to know that you, typically know that you, sorry, easy for me to say. <laughs> they typically want to know that you have tried conservative, which means like sprays and, you know, measures, uh, conservative treatments such as Claritin D, uh, Flonase, which is a nasal steroid spray um, that you've done, you know, even uh, allergy drops, allergy drops, breathe right Right. strips, nasal irrigation, right? And that like those things have not worked out, or they're they're too cumbersome, or whatever. So that you've given it the you know the the solid conservative measures try before they're going to authorize a septoplasty, and then 
I mean, the ones that that are obvious, like they they get authorized. You yeah. do them. It doesn't pay very much. So you know, no. in <laughs> in my world, it's like yeah, we could do it under insurance. But your rhinoplasty is going to cost you, you know, eighteen thousand dollars, and your septoplasty, which insurance will pay for, is going to pay eight hundred bucks. You know, so it's like. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you want to get reimbursed your $800, <laughs> it's great. This rhinoplasty is still $18,000 or $19,000. last time I got reimbursed for a septoplasty, it was like 400 so, Yeah, I yeah, mean, it doesn't much. pay anything. So yeah. it's like, it's great, but, you know, it's a, they, the insurers have made sure that that procedure pays nothing, next to nothing. Yeah. I mean, it, it is like a very difficult, high-risk procedure, and they want to pay you 400 bucks for it, really? Well, that's why people go out of network. That's why you're an out of network physician. Yes. So it is possible to combine your functional septoplasty with a cosmetic rhinoplasty. Just be aware that you're not going to get a whole lot knocked off your price. Right. Well, I, I don't knock anything off the price. I charge them and then I say, go ahead and build, you can get reimbursed by your insurance. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I'm not doing insurance companies anymore. They're not part of my, you know, it's so little money for such huge headache. And it do, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, they, they don't pay anything. They used to. They used to pay, like, there would be times in the past, like, I remember in, like, 2006 or five or something where I would get 3500 bucks for doing, like, an airway operation, and then the cosmetic part would be paid for by the patient. And that was reasonable. Right. Uh, you know, it was, like, if a, back then, if a rhinoplasty was 8500 bucks or $10,000, you know, for the patient to get $3,500 knocked off their price because the insurance really paid it, it made sense. I mean, now 400 bucks, $600, who cares? Like, you're still trying to get a cosmetic rhinoplasty, which is expensive. So the septoplasty is, is kind of part of the operation in my world. And if they want a bill to get their insurance reimbursement, they can but I'm not, I'm yeah. not interested. No, that, that, seems very, that seems very fair. That seems very, very reasonable. But if you just need a septoplasty and you're an in-network patient... And you have a great ENT guy or a plastic surgeon that can just do your septoplasty in network and it costs you nothing to do it. I urge you to do that. Yeah. If you don't need your nose changed, just get the operation done by somebody who's in your network who's an amazing septoplasty surgeon because those people are definitely out there. I mean, I know a lot of ENT guys that they, they never even think about a rhinoplasty. It's not even on their radar yep. they screen. They just do they septums give a crap. all day. They They'll do septums. Up, they do, do sinuses. Yep. They, do, they do all kinds yep. of incredible work that is really necessary and you can find those people in your network yes if you want a fancy pants rhinoplasty well, then, <laughs> that's your guy then I'm right here <laughs> but but i i think that people i mean i can't even tell you how many people come in and say like oh so if i if you can bill my insurance like it can pay for the whole thing i'm like no, uh, no. <laughs> hate to bust your bubble yeah, but that's not, not how it works that's not beverly hills you know, no. Newport Beach plastic no. surgery kind of stuff. It just it, the the insurers in California, and it's different in other states. There are other states where people actually get paid to do this stuff by the insurance companies. In California, the prices that are have been negotiated down by the insurance companies is so astronomically low. It's it, it's it's abuse. It's a slap in the face. It's it's yeah. abuse. I mean, you just can't possibly look somebody in the face and be like, oh, that cleft lip. Is that you just did eight hundred dollars? Oh, they don't pay eight hundred bucks. No, three hundred. The medical 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 pays three hundred bucks for a cleft lip. For a cleft lip, I know. this this child of yours that is born with this cleft lip, who needs this life altering life 
altering operation yes. which i have which you plastic surgeon have studied for 12 years <laughs> 12 years of your, of you know plus possibly fellowship 14 years of your life to make sure that it turns out right you get 300 bucks you get 300 bucks you know what i used to bartend i could put on a push-up bra and bartend and make more than that in a oh, night of course you know easy easy and but that that's the value that people have placed on the service yep. of of these of, of of what plastic surgeons do and what any surgeon does i mean i remember the the cardiac surgeons used to get paid six thousand seven thousand dollars to do cardiac bypass surgery when i was coming up through college and now i think they get twelve hundred dollars that is not enough for what they do. I'm saying six, seven thousand dollars back. Uh, like this is like before electricity when I was like coming up through the, the ranks, and I'm old. These these surgeons now are getting twelve hundred, fifteen hundred dollars right. in 2021. Right. It's it's not 1989. Yeah, cost of living's gone up a bit. A little. A little bit. Little, yeah. and so to take somebody from that kind of pay down to where they are now is is really just it just shows you what the value it's where it's going pay attention everybody you, you, you just you can see it happening but that then people say well i don't understand why i can't get a doctor to do this i don't understand why i can't get a good do- why i don't understand why i can't well you think it's bad now just just wait another 20 years i mean because the people that used to want to go do this stuff are, are going elsewhere no they're going to silicon valley the best and the brightest smart are Unfortunately, not coming in, into medicine. <laughs> no. Although it, maybe it's changing. I know we talked about this with you know um, Cornell. Is it Cornell or Yale offering the free medical school now? Cornell, yeah, Cornell. my alma mater. So that's going to definitely attract the best and brightest, and they're going to be graduating without huge amounts of debt. So they they can't afford to do some of these procedures and take primary care type positions because they're not going to be half a million dollars in debt upon leaving medical school. So give that another 14 years and maybe your surgeon will be very excited to get 400 bucks for your septoplasty. But right now in Beverly Hills, not so much. It's not happening. <laughs> but anyway, back Anyways, to the insurance. So we, we, septoplasty. We, we were talking about the insurance thing, which is, you know, whatever it is. Um, I think that, you know, septoplasty for me is done, uh, as an airway procedure is usually the primary airway procedure. I rarely do anything to the turbinates other than possibly out fracture them. I might do a little bit of uh, bony reduction, but I, I'll cauterize them once in a while, but I, I don't do a whole lot to the turbinates that really affects the airway tremendously. It's typically uh, using uh, either spreader grafts or some strut grafts along with the septoplasty that really improves the airway. And I have, Loads of patients that are completely thrilled with the fact that they can breathe after can having breathe. these reconstructive procedures. Well, that's a separate add-on. So now you're talking about an internal nasal airway reconstruction, which includes the spreadographs or flaps, as you talked about, or the, the control of the turbinates. Because now we're talking about an internal nasal airway passage that, for whatever reason, is narrowed. So in addition to having a deviated septum blocking the airway, the actual airway itself is collapsed and narrow and creating difficulty with airflow. And so you have to remove the deviated septum and open up the airway, which was what you're talking about with the spreader grafts, spreader grafts and flaps, which is a separate part of an airway reconstruction. Exactly. And yeah. so... 
really in in my world, especially with my revision rhinoplasties, where not only are people unhappy with the look of the nose, but a lot of times they really can't breathe. Um, there, there's a lot to it. And I yeah. tell people, look, if you have a bad airway before surgery, there's a high likelihood that there's still going to be problems after surgery. The goal is to make it better. And, and, and if we can get rid of it and you're happy, that's fantastic. But, you know, bad airways are, are very difficult to fix. It's This is not easy stuff. It's not easy. And I'm sure patients ask you this all the time. Well, you're putting these, you know, grafts or flaps. You're opening my airway. Is that going to make my nose bigger? Yeah, I mean, that that sometimes that's the idea. But typically, the, the answer to that is no, because it depends where you put those grafts. So you can make a nose smaller and control the airway simultaneously. But you got to be slick. You got to be gotta, a fancy pants. You got to <laughs> plastic surgeon <laughs> who does a lot of noses. I mean, it's hard. You know, this stuff is not easy. You know, and it's funny. Like there was like some there's some patient like hating on one of my Instagram posts or something, and somebody kind of chimed in and and said, uh, you know, oh, you know, don't listen to the haters. You've helped so many people, and, and I said, you know. That's true, but you know, I, I always I do listen to the haters a little bit because oftentimes there's like a kernel there's a, there's of a truth, truth in their, in their yeah. hating, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. because they've had a bad experience or they know somebody who's had a bad experience or they're they're just angry people in general. But I said, you know, I said don't 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 discount the don't fact hate that people, the haters don't hate the <laughs> haters because there are people that have problems with these operations that are very real. I mean, these are like I've seen them, you know, and. I've tried to help a lot of them and they continue to hate after when, when I can't help them. But, and, and that's okay. They, they, I, they have reason to be upset and they have reason to not be thrilled or whatever. But in the end, you, you, you should always recognize that it's, it's with good intention with, you know, with kindness and, and, and the best of intentions that your doctor goes forward in these very difficult revision cases and these very hard, hard moments. And, you know, when when patients can't see that, but that's unfortunate for them. But I, I think a lot of patients do get that. They get that, you know, they were they were having problems, things didn't go well before, and here comes somebody who wants to help. And and if it doesn't turn out amazing, well, you were already in a bad spot. And and these and these things are just so not diff not they're so not easy. They're very they're not difficult. easy. The healing process is unpredictable. I mean, there's very few plastic surgeons, surgeons in general, who see these complex cases and get like, well, I don't know, I kind of get excited about complex cases, but it's not like you are loving to do these cases and really want to gung-ho get in there. A lot of times you see these complex cases and you go, oh, that's going to be a tough one. So a lot of times it is sort of done with the thought process of, I really want to help this person and make their life better for whatever reason, whether it's a complex breast or a complex nose, like you feel for the patient and you want to give them something better. Right. And doctors were, we're emp- that's, empathetic. That's yeah, half the reason we went into this. We're really thing. trying to make it better. We're not just trying to like make a quick buck off these patients. And that's not what it, what it is at all. No, I mean, I don't do surgery for money. It's silly. That's a silly way to make. If you want money, go to wall street. I will say that to everybody. <laughs> that is true. They, there's so much money on wall street. Go there. That's what I keep telling my son. <laughs> yeah. I know. My kids, I was like, please, whatever you do, don't, don't go to medical school. Unless so, you're going to be an anesthesiologist. <laughs> what is then with maybe. that? I, my kids are all talking about anesthesiologists. They're all like, oh, you know, I heard anesthesiologists make a fortune. I was like, they do make a fortune. They Trust make a me. Lot. My, yes. my anesthesiologists do great and they should. 
and 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 we do great too but it's the money part is not not why to do any of this you have to do it because you love it and you want to help people i mean especially like like these complex airways i i gotta say it it, it they you know when, we were, when i was thinking about this this podcast with you i was like god these are these are so hard they're just so difficult and and the cases that i get and i got a case last night from uh another you know beverly hills plastic surgeon who who's amazing and you know she saw this patient and said you know to her colleague who who is is a an ent doc and and he she said are you comfortable with this case he goes this is this is out of my league and she said well, package him up and send him over to to jay and he'll he'll look at it and and i got this case and it was like on one hand i was like yeah, boy, yeah. <laughs> this is really tough. <laughs> but then, like the the excited reconstructive plastic surgeon, yeah. it was like, oh yeah. sweet, oh yeah, I got this one. Oh, it's this is gonna true. be good. We're it gonna do true. forehead flaps. We're gonna do rib grafts. We're gonna make this gal a nose from nothing because she has nothing left. It is her nose is really damaged. It's a disaster. But I can fix that. Like I know what to do. But I, I you know I have to get her on board. You know she's got to first stop. You know smoking two packs of cigarettes a day and she's got to stop you know like she's got to like she's got to get on board she's got to get on she's board, gotta get on board. Yeah. she likes you gotta you gotta like this is a team deal you gotta understand that there is no easy fix and that she's gonna need three or four operations to get there but you know i'm gonna help her i mean i definitely am and i was excited that my colleague sent the patient and and uh it's all good well that was very windy and deviated uh, discussion of septoplasty. You see what I did there? That see was that? good. See that? That was very good. <laughs> I- interestingly, the patient that you sent over had absolutely no septum. <laughs> I believe that. No. I, saw, I saw that patient, yes. <laughs> I believe there that. Was no, there was nothing in there. You look in, you can yodel, and it'll like, <laughs> like a canyon come back to you. I mean, it is just awful. Well, yeah, I think that's it. So for those of you thinking about septoplasty, you know, if you're doing it on its own, go for it if you're doing it with the with the nose be clear that you know it's it is a harder operation more complex and and definitely you want somebody who is skilled in that art for sure for sure well this is the beverly hills plastic surgery podcast coming to you from the 90210 thanks for listening to the beverly hills plastic surgery podcast if you want to reach dr ravello or myself we're available for consultations we can also be reached through the websites Dr. Vella, what's your website? My website is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. And the phone number to reach us here in the office is 310-954-1355. And I do want to mention Rock Spa, which is the sponsor, truly the financial backer of this podcast. And Rock Spa is the Medispa that's located both in Newport Beach and Beverly Hills, providing... Botox, fillers, lasers, microneedling, esthetician services like hydrofacials. We have incredible people. They do great stuff. And I highly recommend taking a look at the websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. All the information is also on my website, drcalvert.com.